0: Turn to Exodus 24. And as I said, I I know what what time it is, and I know most of y'all know how long I preach. And so um, don't be anxious. Don't be texting babysitters right now, and um, you'll be good, okay? And so um, I I passed out those sheets, or um, some of the kids did, so I hope you have them. And so as I knew that this was a special service, and I knew that it would be abbreviated due to time's sake. Um, I prayed that we never forsake um, teaching the gospel if we are given a few minutes or if we are given many. And so I was praying, God, what would you have for the, the people in this special time together where we don't deviate from where we are in Exodus? And, and God blessed me with a thought. And so the thought is, if you are a note taker, where is the cross on Mount Sinai? Where is the cross of the New Testament in the Gospels in Exodus? Where do we see it this week in chapter 24? So look at Exodus 24, 1 through 8, please. Now as I read this, I want you hypersensitive. I want you to be thinking, where is Jesus in this? Where is Hunter going to lead to? I want to spot him before he tells me, right? Right? I want you to see it. Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. Do you remember the scene? Moses runs back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The mountain's on fire. It's covered in smoke. God's given the Ten Commandments. He's given the Book of the Covenant. This is where we are. We're in the end of it. So Moses came and he told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. So almost envision a church service. In this scenario, Moses is the worship leader, they're all in harmony. Moses is preaching the word, and what do they say? Sure thing, anything that God just said that was spoken through Moses, we agree to, we will do. Can you imagine the moment? And all the words which the Lord has said, they said, we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord... And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Verse 6, And Moses took half the blood and put it in the basins and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Will you highlight seven? Then he took the book of the covenant and he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, "Once again all that the Lord has said, we will do, and we will be obedient." And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, "This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with me, you and me with you according to all of these words." Where is the cross on Mount Sinai? Do you see it? Where was Jesus in this morning's text at the end of the book of the covenant? And so one thing that I've noticed about um, believers and young and and older believers and the church in general, uh, most of us, especially I think in the South, where everybody's believed to be a Christian, if your grandfather was and you come to church and you went to VBS when you were little, we're all kind of in good standings, right? Um, That's what's believed by many And at the end of the day, so many people that I come encounter with just don't really know His Word very well. And because that's for a lot of reasons. Um, Some people believe they're they're, they're saved and they're not. Some people have have not put the effort and the obedience into learning His Word. And then just some of us have been taught poorly. And so for a lot of us, I think, raised in the church, if, if your parents raised you in God's church or maybe sat with you or you read for yourself... A lot of us have been raised on these spiritual fortune cookies of you know the pastor is speaking about grace today, and here are the four verses that he 's connected to it, and the pastor's talking about selfishness and here are the four verses, and the pastor's talking about giving and here are the four verses and so you know verses you 've heard a lot of verses and this is from VBS until Sunday school, until you're older. Like, we know ideas, and we know verses on subjects. But when I tell you, like, talk to me about Exodus, which I've done many times. Tell me what you know about Exodus. And they'll go, hey, Hunter, I can't tell you much of more of what you've told us, right? Right? Well, tell me about Matthew. Tell me about Genesis. Tell me about Revelation. Tell me about Ephesians. Tell me about Galatians. Tell me about these stories in these books. And for a lot of us, go, hey, Hunter, I don't really know much about the Bible. So I remember this friend of mine who is a brilliant man, who I love to death, who is very kind, who was raised in the church, and and years ago, we're sitting there, and he's talking to me about kind of that thought, and he goes, Hunter, like, when you talk about the Bible, man, like, I can't keep up. Like, I don't have those verses memorized. I don't know what happens in Exodus and how Exodus is connected to the cross. and I don't know those things. And I said, well, let's slow it down. Let's slow it down. I said, buddy, turn to the first page. The way we look up all of where I tell you, tell you to go, right? And I said, okay, do you see the first book? It's What is it? He goes, it's Genesis. What is Genesis? That's the first book, Hunter. I said, oh, well, let's dig a little deeper. Let's go to the New Testament. What's the four, four, first four books? He said, well, it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I said, well, those are the gospels with an S. The gospel means the good news of Jesus Christ. With an S, it is the life of Jesus Christ. And I said, let me explain to you, okay? The first four books of the New Testament, that is the same story of the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from four different vantage points. The story doesn't change. It's just from four different points of view. Do you understand that? He goes, man, I always kind of understood it, but not like that. Thank you. It makes sense. I said, let's keep going. What's the next book? It's the book of Acts. And I said, well, after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the book of Acts is very important for the story. What we see is the giving of the Holy Spirit in Acts. We see the birth of the church in Acts. And then we also see the beginning of the ministry of Paul in Acts. I never got this. I said, let's keep digging. It all connects. Remember that thought. It all connects. Well, after Acts... We see the ministry of Paul. So when you look at Romans and First and Second Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and all of these, these are the letters in the ministry of Paul. Just look for the I A N S for most of them. And he goes, oh, he goes, this such is so simple. But I don't know if I really ever understood it. And then I said, and then we continue with James and Peter and John and Jude and Revelation. And that is the New Testament. But this is what he asked. He goes, Hunter, man, I get it. I understand it. It's simplified and I can grab it. But he goes, man, what about all this Old Testament? Like, what do I do with that? And there was just one statement for him, and that was this: "The greatest gift of the Old Testament is that it is the build-up. it gives weight, it gives strength to the New Testament. It's the build up to the gospel." So for example, for example, we all know the story of Jesus. Hopefully. The story of Jesus is simple. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life, never sinned. He came to rescue, to be the Savior of those that He calls His. He died on a cross. He died and He was our substitute. And then He rose on the what day, church? Third day. That's the story of Jesus, right? But when you understand the Old Testament, in all of its books, in all of its characters, in all of its stories all the Old Testament is this huge build-up to the cross and the story of Christ in which you and I have heard countless times. It gives it weight. So where is the New Testament in Exodus 24? Where do you see the cross? Where is Christ? If Hunter says that in all of the Old Testament, it is this huge build-up to the New Testament, this coming Messiah... What he just read in chapter 24, where is he seeing Jesus? Well, before we get to your sheets, understand the moment if you're a visitor here or you have a short-term memory. What we see in Exodus 24, God has brought the Ten Commandments, which we all know. God has brought the book of the covenant you and I just studied. And 24 is this worship service where God Himself stands before the people. He sticks His hand out and says, Do we agree? It is an agreement. That's what a covenant is. That is what you and I do if you join this church. We sit together and we go, This is what we believe. This is how we're going to act. This is how we treat each other. And then we look at you and say, What? Do you agree? And so what we see in chapter 24, God has just poured all of this into the people. He sticks his hand out and says, do you understand? And so here's the question in Exodus 24. Are the people going to say yes? If you had been at this church, we just spent two and a half months going through all the Ten Commandments and all of the book of the covenant. Can you believe, can you imagine the God of the universe saying, do you agree to this? And so we have a worship service. And Moses is the pastor. He is the mediator. And so what do we see? Do you remember two months ago, Mount Sinai? God says, don't let the people come here. Don't even let them touch the bottom of the ground. So Moses, being the good pastor, keeps running back and forth. So the people aren't hearing. Moses is hearing, and he's standing before the people saying, Turn your Bibles. Let me preach to you. This is what God has said. So Moses stands before the people on a Sunday morning and says, Do you agree? And what do the people say? Yes, we agree to be obedient with all the things that you have said. And then how they seal that covenant is with what? Blood. And you know what that represents? That this is a matter of life and death. That is what the blood symbolizes. That the covenant between God and man is not just some simplicity of wanting to go to heaven, or I kind of like this church, or the man speaking. This is serious business. So where is Jesus in this? Where is the cross on Mount Sinai? Well, understand this, and we're about to get into your sheep. God's relationship with man was always built on sacrifice and God's grace. Always. And that is not an Old Testament reality. That is an entire Bible reality. I want you to hang with me. Don't lose me. If you are five or you are 105, eyes on me. Don't miss this. If you've always been confused by this book that can be overwhelming with all the characters and stories, and you grew up on those spiritual fortune cookies like lock-in. From Genesis after the garden to Revelation, it has always been built. The relationship between God and man on sacrifice and God's grace to accept it. There was always a price to pay. There was always a price to pay. After the garden, there was a great separation between God and man. This is the story of the Bible. And so where is this weight that we see in Exodus 24? How does this bring clarity to the story of Jesus and power to the cross? Well, look at your sheets. Look at your sheets. And if you're a visitor here, I've never passed out sheets before, but I didn't want to just speak these verses, and I didn't want to spend an hour and a half of you flipping. And so I wanted you to see it. Where is the weight of the Old Testament? Where is the weight of Exodus? Where is the weight of chapter 24? Well, first we see that man can only go so far. That man can only go so far. Look at your sheets there. In John 14, 6 it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Man, if you've got a highlighter or a pen... Are you got ears to hear me? No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. How many times have you heard that verse? Like how many times? I've heard that verse countless times. How many times have you heard that verse? But man understanding the book of Exodus spending months on Mount Sinai understanding the commandments in the book of the covenant understanding the weight of chapter 24 what do you see now when you read John 14 you see that they were not able to go to God the Father except how now how what is our story through Christ look at Ephesians 3 in whom we have boldness and now access not just access but confidence through our faith in him understand guys when we read that in ephesians these were people that did not have the new testament all they had was the old these people knew exodus like the back of their hand you might not know the book of the covenant but they knew it very well and so all they did, they grew up hearing sermons about the scariness of the mountain that was on flames. And so now when someone preaches, hey, listen, not only can you touch the mountain, you have direct access to God. Like, how so? Through the curtain that was ripped, that was torn, by what was accomplished by his son, the Messiah that had been talked about for all of those years, now has come. He has fulfilled the law and now you have direct access, run up that mountain. How do you think that was heard by those people? Look at 1 Peter 3. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteous, and highlight this one, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive again in the Spirit. So in the Old Testament church, understand, the man spent generations standing at the bottom of the mountain, hearing and seeing a man run up and down, up and down, up and down. And now we're given this new age reality that we live in, what Christ has fulfilled, bringing us directly to God. It gives weight. So when you and I hear the Jesus story every Easter and every Sunday and every Sunday school class, we go, okay, I know Jesus, I know the story, I've heard the resurrection. But when you see the Old Testament and you drop an anchor and you understand the complex and far-reaching story of the build-up, it gives weight to the gospel which you and I oftentimes take for granted. Secondly, the unimaginable weight of the law the unimaginable weight of the law. Look at Galatians 3. So then the law was our guardian. Does that make sense to you now? It says, so then the law was our guardian, because that's all they knew, until Christ came. Until Christ came. In order that we might fulfill and be justified by faith. Romans 8. Romans 8. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. You see this? For God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do. Man could never uplift the law. We could never fulfill the law. So God did something to fulfill it. And that was what? By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin but He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement, the price to be paid of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus Christ took the burden for us on an unimaginable weight that could we you and I could never lift. You ever think about these things? So think, think church. How many people are raised never understanding the law of the Old Testament? They might have heard some of the Ten Commandments, but they have never studied the book of the covenant. They had no idea what the laws of the Old Testament were. So when they hear such a verse, they go, Yeah, thank God. God is good. He's upholding the law. What is the law? I don't know. But God calls us to knowledge in His Word. God calls us to study the Scriptures. God understands that we don't understand the Old Testament. So He pulls us there. Why? All to point to magnifying the New Testament. Shining a light on the cross. So next Easter, do you know what I pray for? Next Easter, when we are celebrating the death and resurrection of Christ, I hope your mind goes to slavery and exodus. I hope you go, man, like I remember the law. I remember slavery. I remember the story. I remember the price that this took, and praise God for my freedom. That the Old Testament knowledge, that this unimaginable weight of the law that I could never carry has been uplifted from me. That's what I pray. Then, lastly and most importantly, I want you to understand this, okay? It's the power of the blood covenant. The power of the blood. In the New Testament, nothing has changed. These requirements did not shift. Um, it is not a story. Some, some kid came to me um, recently and he was like, man, I, I'm so thankful that God's nicer now. <laughs> right? He was like, man, he was rough back in the day. Right? And our minds can kind of go there. We laugh, we go, it does seem. No, it doesn't seem. There's always the relationship between man and God has always been built on sacrifice and God's grace to accept it. There's always been a price to pay. So how does the blood covenant in which we see in 24 give weight and light and glory to the gospel? Look at Hebrews 9.22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. This is a reality that we have to accept. I don't care how much you give, what church you were raised in, your parents' last name, none of it matters. There has to be a shedding of blood, a price to pay for the forgiveness of sin. Romans 5.9, that is our reality. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. And so this is something that is so simple and it connects every dot and it makes everything come together that is missed so often. God's wrath was going to pour. It was going to pour. Minds weren't changed. The tr- story wasn't altered. You're not good enough. The difference is Jesus Christ came to step forward for that wrath to be poured on Him, not you. That is the beauty between Exodus 24 and the Gospels in the New Testament, Ephesians 1:7. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That is what we see when we read Exodus 24 and we see this man, God's instrument, the hero of the text, right? Running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. God, what do I tell him next? He runs down the mountain. Guys, this is what God says. That's not your reality more. You know who made it possible? Jesus Christ. He made that possible. He is our mediator. And He brings us up the mountain. Access to God. Not by your goodness, but by His grace. What else? do we see in our new reality. We understand that this unimaginable weight of the law, that is not a weight that you and I have to lift. It is not a weight that you and I have to lift. What are we called to do? Seven chapters of laws know to place our faith and our trust in the One who brings us up the mountain. That's what you and I are called to do. Praise God for it. Can you imagine God standing before David and going, Hey, David, you good with all of these? Oh, I'll try. Well, you better. Can you imagine? And so Jesus Christ comes and says, Hey, listen, come up the mountain with me, and I'm going to carry the load for you. Who? You that has sinned and broken all of these things. I have this for you. And then lastly, there's always a price to pay for any pastor that stands up here and talks about the free salvation that is offered for you and I. Nothing in life is free, including your salvation. It's just you didn't pay the tab. Someone paid it for you, but it was not free. He paid the price. There is still a blood covenant, but the blood that covers you and I is from the Son not from goats and donkeys. But this is not where it ends. This is where I do want you to flip. Go to John 14. I want you to see it, church. Not only does God forgive, not only did God reconcile by His Son, not only did Jesus hang on a cross, not only are we made right, but listen to this. Listen to this good news which will blow your mind. If this is not the Jesus Christ you know, you don't know Jesus. If that's not the Jesus that you have been taught, you don't know Jesus. I know those are bold words. You're saying, Hunter, are you saying I'm not saved? And guess what, church? I am saying it. If that is not the Jesus you know, the Jesus that we are teaching and speaking of, if that's not the Christ that you have professed your trust in, then yes, you don't know Jesus. And not only does He save, not only does He... Bring us to God. Not only is He our mediator, not only did He pay the price, but He does the unimaginable for us. That does not even make sense in our earthly minds. Look at verses 1 through 6. I don't care how old you are, if you know this by heart, please open your Bibles. Look at the goodness of of Jesus in chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. Remember, all they knew was Exodus. All they knew was the Old Testament. This is a foreign language. They're trying to wrap their mind around it. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you this. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. So Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going, right? Their minds are trying to wrap around this thought that is just above them. How can we know this way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I want you to, before we pray, it's, it's, a, it's a thought that like a pastor and a man can't really um, understand or teach or even really comprehend. I want you to, to think about like a worldly example of you just completely doing someone wrong. And you have really messed up. And you have really failed. And that person comes to you and says, Hey, listen, not only do I forgive, but I'm not going to leave you. And not only am I not going to leave you, I'm going to reward you. Like, what? Like, there's nobody. My wife, my kids, my best friend, you. None of you are doing this for me. None of you are doing this. And so... What is the weight that the Old Testament gives to the new? And the weight is the magnitude of God's goodness that man cannot even fathom. So stop spending all your days trying to guilt people to go to church. Stop trying to guilt into giving. Stop trying to guilt into serving or singing or being or doing. Man, point people to the unimaginable grace and love and salvation and riches of Jesus Christ. Because when we can understand that, all of those things just happen. How could I not give and understand this? How could I not serve? Why would I not want to be here? How could I not want to forgive those? How would I not want to love my wife and take care of my children and sing the songs? Like, how could I not? And the answer is simple. We don't know Jesus. Because, man, when your heart and your mind is anchored from Genesis that goes to the cross to Revelation that comes back to the cross, if you have never understood this book, everything hangs on the cross everything. So learn the cross and see the cross in every page, in every verse, in every character. It gives weight which brings glory, which brings blessings. And so if you are here today as we close and you go, Hunter, I've heard the Easter message, man. I'm raised in the South. I've been many times. Hey, Hunter, my my dad brought me to church as I was younger. I'm a a member of so-and-so, right? Right? God's not going to care about any of this. Do you know my son? Have you placed your faith and your trust in my son? Do you see that he brings you close to me? Do you see that he forgives? Do you see that he is kind? Do you see that he rewards? Do you see that he paid the price? Is that the Jesus you know? If it is not the Jesus you know... I pray you say, God, step forward, show me your light, save me today. I pray that as we end in song, you don't walk, you sprint to the altar. God, save me. Save me. I am tired of standing at the bottom of the mountain. And I want to go up. And I want to stand before God with the weight that's been lifted for me, the price that has been paid for me. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank You for today. Lord, I thank You for Your grace. I thank You for Your salvation. I thank You for the clarity of Your Scriptures. Lord, let me say this in prayer, that I pray that all the people in the church here very um, clearly and cleanly as we close, that Your Word is not as complicated as we have made it. Your Word is one message, and that is Jesus Christ is the way. Genesis and Exodus and Ephesians and Galatians, Job and Luke, everything points to Christ. Everything. The Old Testament gives life to the new. And everything after the Gospel points back to the Gospels. Everything does, Lord. So I pray that as men and women, we teach this well. That we teach in a way that people understand the dots that are being connected. We start to see how every book of the Bible is connected from one beautiful story. And that is, Jesus Christ came to die for sinners. For those that He calls His. And He saves today just like He saved then. Lord, I pray that if someone does not know you, that you break ankles and you save them today. I pray that we fall to our knees and we pray, Lord, take my life. I have heard the truth. I desire to place my faith and trust in you. I pray for that. If someone is here and they are saved, Lord, I pray that all they hear in this message is your goodness. And I pray that it just spurs us on to telling other people about your saving son. That's what I pray. There's no greater words that anybody will hear than what we just read and taught on. And Lord, I pray that it overflows in their life. I pray that these people this morning speak to their children, their spouses, their neighbors, their co-workers, their hunting buddies, their ball team, that nothing else can be talked about but salvation through Jesus Christ. I pray that we cannot be quiet. In Your precious and in Your holy name, the church says in harmony, Amen.